Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. And he is coming for you. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Chris, I thought that was a great Patriot win on Sunday. Why would I be happy? No one in the stadium want, wanted them to win. I think you're way off, and I think that... The season is over. It's pointless. No, it's not. Get ready for 2024. Today's guest, Lions quarterback Jared Goff. Coming up, NBC college football analyst Todd Blackledge. Pro Football Hall of Famer Joe Thomas. Seahawks wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. And now... It's Rich Eisen. That's right. Hour number two, the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the program. I got a top five list today, but it's not the usual top five that I have on a Tuesday when I normally give you the top performances in the previous week's uh, NFL activity that just wrapped up. With the trade deadline coming up one week from today, I've got a top five of players I would basically sell the house for at the trade deadline. Oh, I like that. That's coming up in hour number three when we talk to Jackson Smith and Jigba, formerly of the Ohio State, now of the Seattle Seahawks. He got into the end zone for the first time in his professional career this weekend. So we gave him a, giving him a, giving him a call. Uh, that's in hour number three. Later on in this hour, we've got the Pro Football Hall of Famer um, from uh, the Cleveland Browns and uh, my buddy from uh, back in the day on NFL Network, Joe Thomas, is going to be calling us because he says he's got a, an idea how to stop the brotherly shove with regularity give that a whirl but joining us right now here on the rich eyes and show uh, a national champion from your penn state nittany lines tj jefferson yes indeed now of nbc sports enjoyed his call with noah eagle uh this past weekend with michigan michigan state be on the call of ohio state pardon me the ohio state in wisconsin on big 10 saturday night 7 30 eastern on nbc and peacock todd blackledge here on the rich eyes and show how you doing todd I'm doing good, Rich. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, man. I've got so many questions <laughs> for you, not just about what you call, but from your playing days. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I haven't really had much of a conversation with you, but let's start, I guess, with, with the here and now. What did you? What's your opinion of what's going on with the NCAA investigation of the Michigan Wolverines? Todd? Well, you know, it's interesting uh, because the story today is a lot different than it was when we went on the air Saturday in terms of, more information or more evidence, you know, supporting these allegations. I think you, I heard you say it a little bit earlier. My opinion is, look, everybody's trying to steal signs. I mean, this is not new. It's not uncommon. Everybody's looking for some form of competitive advantage, whether they're doing it off of game film of previous games or in game as the game is unfolding. Um, 
That's why teams are constantly changing their signals through the course of the season, because they know this is happening. It's a common practice. It's not illegal. But the things that now Michigan are accused of doing, in-person scouting, which never was illegal until 1994, and using some kind of electronic or recording devices, those things are illegal. And if it comes to be that that they prove that this is true, then there should be some consequences for Michigan. I don't know what extent those consequences would be or when they would ever be able to enforce it or or make it happen. But, um, you know, it, the allegations are that they crossed the lines on a couple of things. And, and if that's true, then, then there should be some consequence for it. However, and I said this on the air, um, I don't think this should take away anything of how good this Michigan football team is, how talented they are on both sides of the ball, how much depth they have at all three levels of their offense and defense. Uh, this is an outstanding football team that is playing great football. And I really don't think stealing signs or if they were able to ascertain signals uh, is making that much of a difference, if, if any, in how they've played this year. Now, now Michigan State might not have the firepower on either side of the football right now to uh, affect the – um, I guess, removal of whatever system Michigan had removed by this story last week uh, in terms of points on the scoreboard or even wins and losses. But that said, what did you see out of Michigan State on Saturday night to try and combat, I guess, yeah. what was going on and and how Michigan handled it? Did you see any sense of Michigan being, and again, I, I watched it too, but I wasn't there. Um, yeah. anything that you saw from Michigan that did see out of sorts because their uh, system of of sign stealing got ripped out from uh, root and branch by the NCAA and everything else this past week? Uh, no, I, I, I saw a team, first of all, I saw a team in Michigan that got better from the week before. I saw them two weeks ago in Minnesota, and they were better against Michigan State than they were two weeks ago. So I think it's a team that is getting better and better each week. So I don't think whatever was taken away or not available to them had anything to do with, with that improvement. On the Michigan State side, you know, I did see them do some things as a precautionary measure. Uh, you know, they were they were uh, having the quarterback run over to the sideline at times, getting the play audibly, huddling a little bit more, running some players in until they got to the second half and they realized we are so outmatched in this game it doesn't matter. And they just went back to signaling plays in, in the second half. So, uh, but in the first half, they were taking some precautions, but again, I don't know how much of an effect it had on the outcome of the game. Todd Blackledge here on the Rich Eisen show from NBC sports. How good is JJ McCarthy Todd? I, I think he's excellent. I, I think he's playing at an elite level. You know, we talk a lot about, uh, Caleb Williams, although they've run, you know, fell on a couple of tough times here the last couple of weeks, he didn't play bad against Utah. He did play poorly against Notre Dame, but it wasn't all his fault. But Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix playing extremely well. Jaden Daniels, a quarterback at LSU, playing as good as anybody. Jordan Travis. But I would put J.J. McCarthy right up there with all of them. The difference in J.J. is he is playing in very few fourth quarters right now. They're not an offense that is a pass-first offense. It's a run-first offense, even though he's playing you know, at a high level. Uh, so he's not going to have the same kind of numbers week in and week out that some of the other guys are. But in terms of how he's playing, 
the efficiency level he's playing with, uh, the production level. After the Bowling Green game when he threw those three interceptions, and, and they were bad decisions and, and bad places where he put the ball. Since then, he's been almost unstoppable. And he's he's so good on third down in his ability to extend plays if it breaks down and just scramble a little bit. But this year, the biggest difference in J.J. this year from last year is when he scrambles this year, he is scrambling to throw. His eyes are downfield. He brings it to the line of scrimmage. He forces the defense to commit, and then he's finding places to throw the football rather than just taking off and running. Now this sign-stealing stuff, Todd, uh, how would it affect, um, you know, positively uh, an offense run by McCarthy or, or it's really just is something that only benefits the defense against an opposing offense. What do you think? Yeah, I would say it probably benefits a defense more than an offense um, because again, and that's why, again, I don't know how much of an effect it has even back, you know, back in the day when Clemson was championship level and Brent Venables was the defensive coordinator at Clemson and, you know, he had kind of a reputation. People thought he was uh, able to steal signs and was really good at picking those things up. The problem still is, okay, maybe you know the sign. How quickly can you communicate that to the guys on the field? And today's football with so many teams playing hurry up and no huddle and doing things fast, I mean, how effective is that really? Now, if you have information ahead of time, um, Maybe that gives you a little bit of an edge and gives you a little bit more time to adjust. But I think it has more to do with the defense picking up offensive signals uh, and being in the right defensive structure to combat plays that you anticipate are coming, more so than helping an offense. Todd Blackledge here from NBC Sports calling the Ohio State and Wisconsin. How do you see the Ohio State-Michigan matchup that's coming right now, Todd? Um, First of all, I, I will never call it the Ohio State. So, I mean, I guess, I don't know if you're doing that out of respect. No, that, no, no, I'm doing that's it. That's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. <laughs> no, no, Todd, okay. I, I, and, I, and I respect that. The reason why I'm doing it is because I'm a professional and I'm trying okay. to make sure my listeners and viewers aren't confused with another Ohio State. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Todd? Like, I, yeah. it, it could okay. totally leave you uh, com- betwixt and between, like, wait a minute. Maybe it's an Ohio State. There's another one. I'm trying to be helpful is what I'm saying, yeah, Todd. Okay. You know? Okay. Right. Well, I'm an Ohio guy. I'm from Ohio. I went to the Penn State. Nice. Nobody, <laughs> ever said, nobody has ever said that, right? So, uh, but but I, I got great respect for Ohio State. Sure. I just don't want the uh, – <laughs> anyway. I just remember, I think the first time I ever heard that, it was Gordon Gee was the president, had the bow tie on the glasses saying the Ohio State. And just it, ever since I was like – fingernails on a chalkboard but that being said uh you know it's interesting with ohio state because they are a different team than they've been the last few years you know we're used to high level quarterback play explosive high scoring offense um the defense not really at the same level uh this is a different ohio state team this is a team right now that's being led by their defense that in Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, his second year since coming over from Oklahoma State, they are playing very, very well. And it's a different kind of defense than they've played in the past. I don't think they're as talented in the back end of their defense as they've been in other years, uh, but they're super talented up front in their front four and their linebackers. And they are counting on their front seven to like control the line of scrimmage. And they're playing a little bit more loose coverage Uh, a little more bend, but don't break it. They're not giving up explosive big plays. And that's the biggest difference. And that's, 
you know, last year they had great defensive numbers until they got to the end against Michigan and then against Georgia in the, in the playoff. They gave up a lot of big plays. They're not giving up big plays right now. And then on offense, you know, Kyle McCord, their new quarterback, is getting better each week. He had his moments, you know, where he didn't look so good last week against Penn State and a very good defensive team. But he has who I think is the best player in college football to get the football to, and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. I mean, he in two years in a row now, he has destroyed Penn State. He had 10 catches last year. He had 11 for 162 and a touchdown this year. And mm-hmm. I mean, he is a dominant football player. And and so, you know, in most games that he plays, and Ohio State plays, he's the best player on the field. Now, as far as matching up with Michigan, again, I this is the best team that I've seen Jim have. It's the most talented. I've talked to some NFL guys that say they have as many as 17 draftable guys wow. on this roster. Um, they are deep on both sides of the ball, and and they seem like a team that is truly on a mission. You know, they had guys like a, you know, a, a Zach Zinter who could have gone to the NFL, probably been a high draft pick, wanted to come back. You know, wanted to come back and try to win a national championship. And I think that they are in as good a position as anybody. Uh, to make that happen. So, uh, they, they are really a good football team. So what are your two cents on your alma mater and James Franklin and the record against, yeah. you know, um, Michigan and and the the Ohio State? I mean, so yeah. what, what, are your, what are your two cents on your alma mater, Todd? Well, you know, that was a very frustrating game for me to watch Saturday. You know, being doing a night game, I was able to watch the whole game before I left to go to the stadium. Sure. And it was very frustrating. I mean, you know, it's hard for me to imagine that you could be a top 10 football program and go 0 for 15 at one point on third down. I mean, that I don't care how good the defense is that you're going against. That that should not happen if you're a top 10 football team. So that, you know, their their offensive plan was 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 disappointing. I thought you know, they've got these two really good running backs. I thought they got away from the run too soon and, and put too much pressure on Drew Aller to, to make things happen against a very good Ohio State defense. So offensively, you know, I thought that was very disappointing. I thought defensively they played well enough to win. I thought their defense was, you know, was toe-to-toe with Ohio State. And this was a one-possession game, um, and the biggest – you know, call in the game that 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 I was very curious about and and surprised about was, you know, in a clearly defensive field position game, uh, Penn State had a fourth down and three on their own territory. It was seven and a half minutes to go and three timeouts, and they chose to go for it instead of punt and continue to play field position and defense, and they failed, um, and they gave Ohio State a short field. And, you know, a 10-6 game went to 17-6. to And at that point, when it became a two-score game, uh, the game was over. And so I thought defensively they played extremely well, um, but they just have not been able to get over that hump and win one of those games against those two other teams that they have to, uh, to, to be the kind of elite program they want to be. Well, obviously Michigan at Penn state coming up in the middle of November has yeah. been circled for many reasons. Now with everything going on with the, the, uh, you know, sign stealing and all of that stuff. The fact that Michigan won't have that going into Penn state will be something everyone looks at, but the issue is, uh, a scheme, uh, play calling in game. Is that what it is, Todd? What, what, what well, I think it's a, com- I think it's a combination of things. I, you know, I, they did nothing to threaten. Um, they did nothing to threaten the Ohio state defense, uh, on Saturday. And, you know, they just kind of 
played right into their hands. And, you know, so they were ineffective on third down. So it's partly scheme. And I think the other part is, and this has been something that everybody was saying about Penn State coming into the season. The one question mark was wide receiver. You know, now Keandre Lambert Smith is a good receiver. He's not anywhere near the same category that a Marvin Harrison Jr. is or a Mecca Abuka is, but he's a really good receiver. But the question was, do they have another one? Do they have a second or a third guy? And nobody has emerged as a second or third receiving threat for Penn State to this point in the season. I mean, after Lambert Smith, the next best receivers are their tight ends. They're good players, but it's hard to generate big-time explosive plays with tight ends. You know, I mean, you've got to have wideouts that can stretch the field, threaten the defense, and you're not going to win against teams like Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State if you don't generate explosive plays. And an explosive play is a run of 10 yards or more or a pass of 20 yards or more. You are not going to methodically get four, five, six-yard gains and go down the field on great defenses. And that, you know, that showed up for Penn State against Ohio State on Saturday. Todd, thanks for the call um, and Zoom. Uh, let's do this again. Um, and, uh, you know, when I can talk to you maybe a little bit more about your playing career, I, I'm fascinated about the 83 draft class and things of that nature um, and being an NFL guy. But really enjoy your coverage. Um, but you, you know, you and Noah, great listen. Mike Robb nice. is one of my favorite people to work with in NFL Network. Good dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a Penn Stater as well. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 so I just wanted to say all that. So people don't think I really enjoy your coverage because it was 49 nothing on your coverage. That was great. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed you it. You enjoyed immensely. that part of it. Oh, yeah. good Lord. It should have been 56 nothing, as you know. Um, so thank you for the call, Todd. Appreciate it. Yeah, Take care, man. You, you got it. it. That's Todd Blackledge of NBC Sports. Check out again uh, the Buckeyes and Badgers on Big Ten Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC and Peacock. Big cats texting me too. They're all they're all having their fun right now. We don't need. I'm like, yeah, we needed. I'm I'm so glad we scouted Wisconsin's passing scheme the last several years. It was great. But if they did something wrong, there should be a consequence. We'll check it all out, won't we? Well, I'll buy a ticket and then look across. Well, it let me know. I'll Send me the video. See, because you Send know the there's a site you can use that you can see. That's what I'm saying. You can where see where the ticket is you in your eyesight. You know, how do you think Penn State fans are going to like hearing Todd Blackledge talk about, yeah, the, the scheme and the play calling? It's exactly what Penn State fans have been saying. Yep. I mean, like, that's literally from yeah. the talking points from Penn State Nittany Lion fans. Yep. And even if they didn't like something Todd Blackledge said. Um, he's won a national championship. He could say whatever he Well, wants. speaking of Wisconsin football, <laughs> there he goes. Speaking of Wisconsin football, uh, Joe Thomas is going to join us next. He has an idea on how to stop the brotherly shove. I can't wait to hear it from the Pro Football yeah. Hall of Famer. That's next. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is 
unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for $20 off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed 844-204-RICH is the number to dial right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, Before we get to Joe Thomas, because he's got an idea of how to stop the brotherly shove, let's give you some numbers. Philadelphia has run the play. You want to guess how many times they've run the brotherly shove this year? Uh, This This is straight from NFL Network Research. Yes, sir. Uh, A dozen. A dozen. TJ? This year, don't do prices right, but I, I, we'll, we'll, uh, it's always prices right rules. Close course, without going over. I'm going to say they've run that place six times this what year. What do you got? I say eight. 20. Whoa. Oh, already? 20. Wow. They, there's only two games that they haven't run it. Against the Patriots, and they won. Against the Jets, they didn't run it. They lost. They wow. ran it three times successfully week two against Minnesota. Um, two of them from Minnesota's one for touchdowns. And then they did it fourth and one at the Minnesota 28 in the fourth quarter for a first down. They were four for five against Tampa with it. <laughs> Tampa stopped them on a third and goal at the one. <laughs> Are they 19 for 20? They're 17 for 17. 20. Okay. The two other times they were unsuccessful against the Rams. The game was pretty much over. Um, here's the most important though. Most important. They are six for six. Perfect. Running the play in their own territory. In their own territory. Nick Sirianni said, let's do it. Hmm. This is what Sirianni said after the Monday, the uh, Sunday night game in which they ran it. <laughs> Look, it's unbelievable. They ran it four times. Uh, five times, pardon me. Five times. One of them was nullified by an offside. As you know, that was the one where um, I think there was also one where it was an offside on Miami, and then it was called offside on Philadelphia because they thought it was Dickerson's hand on the ground, and it was really the left hand of Jason Kelsey, where he's allowed to do that. If you're the center, you're allowed to put your hand in the neutral zone. Right. Your offhand. This is what Nick Sirianni had to say about it psychological edge do you think it gives you guys that you can run that play it's first and nine every down you know every first down it's first and nine um knowing that if you get the fourth fourth and one um shoot a lot of faith in that play um just be you know yeah so um 
it, it was awesome. Again, just Jason Kelsey starts it off. Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, is right there. You know, haven't been able to drive because you've seen it, right? You've seen it across the league that people can't do it like we can do it. They can't do it like we can do it, and uh, and so I'm making my plug right there. Like, don't don't ban this play. Like, if everyone could do it. Everybody would. Where's the camera? If everybody could do it, everybody would do it. <laughs> I love him. Hey, Eagles fans, when you get upset that uh, Robert Sala is talking smack back at you, I mean, how does the rest of the league take that? I find it funny. I think it's great. I'm a Northeast guy. I, he's, again, the Philadelphia oh, yeah, sports walking id. Pretty good. As the Eagles, uh, Phillies fans are a little nervous about tonight in Game 7. We'll talk about that later on. But for real... Um, it's unstoppable. And you know, I think it's just an ugly play. It is so difficult to spot a football. Why does it work? Again, uh, I spoke to John Harbaugh in London about it prior to Ravens-Titans. He said, you know, Kelsey just gets down and the, the, the quarterback's 240 pounds. Um, Joe Banner, who is a longtime executive with the Eagles, he, he says it's Landon Dickerson, the left guard. That's the difference maker here, too. And it's not stoppable. And he's right. First, it's first and nine, says the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, every time they get the ball. Yeah, because if it's – honestly, you have the only team in the league where pretty much they only need nine yards for a first down because that last one is a given. 17 to 20, 85% success rate. And one time they faked the push play and Hurts pulled out and ran left. That happened against Washington in week four. They've yet to throw out of it. Can you imagine – that's kind of what I've been waiting for. I mean, it's Chico. So how can you stop it? Back here on the Rich Eisen Show is my Hall of Fame friend. I have not spoken to him since I saw him in his beautiful jacket with his bust. He's Pro Football Hall of Famer Joe Thomas back here on the program. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing great, Rich. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, come on, man. I saw what you you tweeted out, and I just wanted to. First of all, it's been too long since I've had you. Um, what's your opinion of this play? I love it. I think it's interesting. It has given us something to talk about. It's captivated all of America because of how effective it's been. But also, I think how the other teams that have tried to replicate it have not been able to do it. Because at the beginning of the season, people were saying, oh, we need to ban this play. It's unstoppable. It's not football-like. But as soon as you saw those other teams try to do it and fail, (laughs) then I think everybody said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We can't ban this play because it's just the Eagles' execution of it that has made it so perfect. It's not the fact that it's some unstoppable play. So then why is it so difficult to copycat it in this copycat league, Joe? Well, the Eagles offensive line is probably the biggest, most physical offensive line in the NFL. Mm-hmm. One. Two, their quarterback's, what, 240 pounds? Right. And now, also, they've had a lot of practice at it. It's something that I don't see a lot of teams lining up in training camp and doing this against each other. So I, I do think there is a learning curve, clearly. And the ability for the Eagles to have executed it properly a bunch of times in game-like scenarios where you're going live, I think it gives them the understanding of like the little minutia of the technique that it takes to be able to execute a play that's only trying to get a foot or two. And so, you mean, you just heard Nick Sirianni say it's first and nine for his team. So what an advantage, clearly, right? First and nine for your team. So why wouldn't other teams practice it? Why wouldn't they figure out, um, let's just say somebody's right guard is particularly talented next to a center and go there in the same way that clearly Hertz is going to the left side pretty much every single time in between Dickerson 
and their future Hall of Fame. You're going to have a bust gallery roommate in Jason Kelsey one day. I think you can agree. So why no won't doubt. why why don't other teams do that? Why why don't they they get the guys and and practice it as long as it is legal, Joe? I could see maybe next training camp teams trying to practice this, but to do that in the season, I think the injury risk is just way too high to try to line your guys up and go at it one after the other with the the tush push or the brotherly shove during the season, because you also do have a ton of other stuff to work on. And can you imagine if reports came out that like some critical players, like your quarterback maybe got injured in the middle of the season because you're trying to master the brotherly shove? Right. Yeah. Uh, that that would be uh, a headline grabber, to say the least. So what's your um, philosophy on how to stop it? What would you do? Yeah, well, I, I think what you need to do is you need to try to force them to do something else, right? Like you mentioned, like they haven't really thrown out of it, so let's force them to try to throw out of it. And what you want to do is basically what happens is the offensive and defensive lines are just creating a pile. And then it's almost like if you if you ever seen those hotels in Japan that are just these little tubes that are stacked on top of each other. Basically, the first level of tubes is your offensive and defensive lineman carcasses that are laying on the ground. And then the pushers for the Eagles are grabbing Jalen Hurts' carcass and sticking him up into the second floor tube and pushing him through that airspace that now is only occupied by the linebackers from the defense. And it's unfair because nobody's pushing those guys, right? So I think the first thing that you want to do is you want to get a push on the defensive lineman's tush, right? So you line up like they used to do with the field goal block where you get your linebackers behind and they're actually pushing the tush of the defensive lineman in front of them, right? So you have pushes going against each other. So you're trying to create a pile and maybe at least stop the surge from the Eagles offensive line. And then the guys, as soon as things get stopped and you see Jalen Hurts getting pushed over the top, that's when those linebackers need to push Jalen Hurts back, right? But most importantly, you need to put players on the edge to be able to spike down as quickly as possible to knock the pushers off of Jalen because that's really the key to this play. It's not that Jalen is able to keep his legs moving and work his way over the top. It's that he's actually getting his body pushed over the top of all these bodies that are laying on the ground. So what you need to do is go and tackle the pushers. And I know people will say, well, it's holding. You're not allowed to tackle a blocker. Well, those guys aren't blocking. They're pushing Jalen Hurts. So if you have guys on the edge or big linebackers or maybe even some big defensive ends and you just have them spike down the edge as soon as the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line wedge, you can maybe knock those pushers off to be able to stop them from pushing Jalen Hurts over the top of the pile. Okay, so let me take this one at a time. First of all, love the analogies. <laughs> no, Joe, love the analogies. Amazing. So while, so it's not about who's the lowest. Is that what you're saying? Because you see some of these defenders get down, like basically like their chests are almost damn near on the ground that they're prone. You know, like those those drills that we see at the combine where sometimes they start, you know, on their chest and have to jump up and then run around. You're like, well, you're never in that position. It seems like defenders are are getting down low. So you're saying it's not... If you get down that low, you're helping the Eagles because they're creating the space for for Hertz to basically body surf on top of the line that's protecting him or blocking for him, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so at first, the Eagles' offensive line was just lower than everybody, right? Right. So they were getting this tremendous surge, but then everybody realized what was coming, so now they told their defensive linemen, we used to call it root hog, basically just get lower than them, and if you create a pile, that's okay because now there's just a big pile and nobody else is blocking each other. But the Eagles use that to their advantage because now Jalen Hurts is body surfing on those bodies, so he's not touching the ground, so he's not going to be down, right? Yeah. So then that's where the push comes into play, where the Eagles 
you know, running backs or tight ends that are in the backfield picking up Jalen Hurts, they're pushing him over the top of those bodies and he's not touching the ground. So you got to be able to stop that body surf. It's not about being lower because the the pile has already been created in front. So it's getting those pushers off of Jalen Hurts in any way possible so they can't body surf his body across the first down marker. So it, you would be running the risk if you do put people, as you said, like back in the day, the type of field goal block scheme if if you're just blocking your your big big body defensive line then you know d tackles if you're putting those folks out there you are running the risk of maybe them pulling it and like pop passing it right like isn't that is that is that the the this is fascinating to me because this is the way this is going to go and we're going to see this in a big big huge game joe this is going to happen in november and december for sure. Yeah, I guarantee. Yeah, I guarantee the Eagles have practiced the other iterations of okay, you know, when people stop this, what do we do? Okay, we fake the push, then we just have a little pop pass, or we fake it, and then we, you know, throw some jet sweep or some option play where we can pitch it to somebody running around. And certainly you're going to have to have your safeties as safety valves to be looking for some of those things when you're on defense. But I think if you're going to try to stop this, you got to try to sell out just the same way that the Eagles are trying to sell out to get it. And uh, I think that's the only way you can do it. But that's what's exciting about this play, and that's why I don't want it banned and outlawed because there's so many iterations that we haven't even got to yet that are going to be so fun for us to explore as this thing evolves. So which team do you think defensively is best equipped to do what you're saying? You know, oh. just if you go through a roster. I mean, they just played the Rams, for crying out loud, right? I mean, there's Aaron Donald on the other side of it. Um, who do you think has the the ability with the bodies to stop mm -hmm. this thing? Joe. Good question. Thank you. I haven't studied everybody's size uh, and weights on the defensive lines yeah. and linebacker, but right. I would say that actually having huge defensive linemen, I mean, that's great. But I think having those big linebackers on the second level might actually be more critical to be able to initially push the defensive line, go over the top to try to stop Jalen Hurts, and then having big bodies on the outside or at least fast guys to be able to get to those pushers and either tackle them or knock them off the push would potentially be the most important skills of these players that are uh, going to be out there on the defense. Joe Thomas here on the Rich Eisen show. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, your last year in Cleveland was Miles Garrett's first. Is that the correct? Okay. What was mm -hmm. he like? I mean, he's, he's an absolute complete total monster beast. I cannot wait to chat with him. He's slated to appear on our show Friday. Mm -hmm. What was he like showing up off the campus of Texas A&M back in the day? I can't remember ever getting beat by a rookie, but I do remember very, very distinctly the first time I lined up against Miles Garrett, he yeah. literally ran right around me and sacked the quarterback on a screenplay, might I add. Uh. And that's when I realized like this guy is just made a little bit differently. He's in a different class of human beings. And I'm hoping that you saw the field goal block that he had against the Colts, which is something yeah, that I don't think we've ever seen in NFL history. And I don't know if we'll ever see again because of the rules where as a defensive lineman, he has to line up within one yard of the line of scrimmage. He has to jump high enough to be able to get over all of the field goal blockers, but also far enough from a standstill to be able to not touch them as he's leaping through the air, <laughs> land on the ground with a lot of force because it takes a lot of force to take 275 pounds in the air, 60 inches to jump far and high over the blockers on the field goal. And then as soon as you hit the ground, the reactivity in his feet to be able to jump back up into the air with enough speed to be able to block a field goal. I honestly, when I watch it every time, I'm amazed. He's the most freakish athlete that I've ever been on a football field with. Mm. And the play that he had 
blocking that field goal against the Colts. I don't even know if we'll ever see him doing it again because guys will be prepared for it. And all they have to do is touch him, and it's a penalty, and uh, the, the offense gets a first down then. Yeah, and, and and I imagine an offensive lineman seeing a uh, an opponent practice his crossover dribble pre-snap <laughs> would cause you to say, get out of here with this. But I imagine that's got to be intimidating, sort of like, you know, like uh, Jason in a hockey mask coming around the corner. You know what I mean? Like that's got to resonate pre-snap, Joe, right? Don't you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm changing my shorts when I get to the sideline. <laughs> and can you imagine he's doing this over guys that are on the inside? They right. don't usually see guys with that quickness and the first sack of his career actually came where he was lined up uh, over a guard and he just cross faced. He didn't do the crossover dribble with his hands, but he did the crossover dribble with his legs and his ability to change direction where he can just step quickly with his right foot, put that foot in the ground and then go from the B gap all the way to the A gap or even the far A gap. He covers so much ground. It's like he's teleporting from one side of the line of scrimmage to the other. And for these guards, like Aaron Donald's the quickest guy that, played defensive tackle probably in NFL history. Yeah. But when Miles lines up right there, he's quicker than Aaron Donald with his ability to cross over and change gaps. He's amazing and and a, a large reason obviously why the Browns are are 4 and 2. Um Deshaun Watson day to day uh as termed by Kevin Stefanski before he went out of the game against the Colts, he just didn't look good at all. I mean straight up. And PJ Walker is looking looking fine enough you know I guess is the only words to say what what are your you know in the Browns defense I know Gardner Minshew had his day but we just talked about Miles Garrett what is what is your opinion of of the of the Browns viability to win this division and and make some particular playoff hey Joe I think it was the first four weeks of the season they lost the turnover battle and they were two and two um so what that tells me is that if they can take care of the football, this defense is so good that they're going to be in every game no matter what their offense does. And obviously, I think everybody hopes Deshaun Watson's going to be able to come back and be healthy because if they want to win the Super Bowl and make a run, they need to have legitimate play from the quarterback position. But to your point, he was one for five with an interception and five yards uh, in that game before he got injured and left the game. So they were still able to win that one with P.J. Walker. They beat the Niners the week before with P.J. Walker. And really, I think until they play the high-end guys, the, the the best teams in the AFC, they're going to need to be able to have uh, really good defensive play. And they're also going to have to have a, a great job of just taking care of the football. I'm playing old-school football. Run the ball, take care of the ball, play special teams battles, and hope that your defense is going to continue to play at the level that they've been playing. But, I mean, the way the Ravens just punked the uh, the Lions, do you think it's their division right now? Or, or the Browns well, c- clearly can still play this type of football too, Joe? Yeah, they're going to have a hard time keeping up with the Ravens without Deshaun Watson playing good football at quarterback because Lamar Jackson's probably playing his best football right now. Right. And that's a complete team. Uh, I thought the Lions were the most balanced team in the NFL. I thought that they were a team that would be able to con- con- uh, keep up with the Philadelphia Eagles because they played a physical style because they've got great offensive and defensive lines. Uh, but the way the Ravens just handled them, I'm a little nervous for my Brownies because this Ravens team is legit and they might be the most balanced team now in the NFL outside of the Philadelphia Eagles. Joe, you're the man. Um, I said this to you that night when I saw you. Your speech was awesome. How was the day? I mean, now that you're, you know, weeks, months removed from your mm-hmm. induction, 
Well, how, what is your memories so far? Still riding high. Out of Rich, that moment uh, from the gold jacket dinner when my kids came on stage and surprised me and hugged me, it's probably going to go down when I'm sitting in my rocker as the greatest day, greatest moment of my life. And I actually have the picture right here over my shoulder. What do you got? Print off. Oh, right. right here. It's, it's, it's of course shiny because my, uh, my light guy sucks over here. Uh, <laughs> he's getting fired along with my hair and makeup. But um, yeah, that's the moment right there. My, my four kids surprised me because they told us uh, that family was not allowed on stage and we could take a picture right when we got off stage. But being the last person and being, you know, in my hometown, I feel like they yeah. bent the rules a little bit for me. And so when I was on stage and they ru- rushed up and they kind of tackled me from behind and my youngest daughter, Reese, who's five, just jumps up into my arms. And you could see in that picture, she was so embarrassed by being in front of the crowd. She just buried her head in tears. Yeah, she's in my neck. It was beautiful. Balling. And then my son's holding my hand and just looking into the into the crowd like, yeah, who wants some? Because he's a little football player, so he's got that football <laughs> mindset. And my daughter started looking up just with pride. I mean, it's it was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah. It was you know I had the, the the view from the podium on down. And it was just beautiful to watch, and I'm glad you were surprised because uh, Joe, it was only turnabout that you surprised everyone. You chose a Steeler and Jerome Bettis That's to right. put the jacket <laughs> on you. Why, why'd you do that? I mean, a lot of Browns fans were like, wait a minute, are we being punked right around here? He's choosing, <laughs> he's choosing a Steeler here in Canton, Ohio. But wh- why'd like you choose it. JB? Why'd you choose him? I, I felt I felt that the Steeler setting the table for me was the best way to do it. But no, Jerome nice. Bettis been a friend of mine for a long time since I got in the NFL. Same agents. And I've always had a lot of respect how he carried himself, how he conducted himself, how he gave back to his community in Detroit and and Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a player, take the helmet off. He was one of my favorite players of all time. And and I felt like it was such an honor going into the Hall of Fame, becoming a member of the gold jacket team instead of Steelers and Browns. It was symbolic in my head of kind of breaking down those barriers and becoming teammates. and I just had so much pride being able to be on that stage with such a great human being like Jerome Bettis. You, you're the man, Joe. That was beautiful. I'm glad that uh, we had a chance to review it uh, weeks later. And thanks for the time here. Uh, I'd love to have you back on as the season goes on so I could hear your thoughts. And plus, there's lots more things I'm curious about on your walls. So we <laughs> yeah, there's a lot out. of stuff back there. It's so I appreciate good, you having me on. <laughs> you got it. That's Joe Thomas, a pro football Hall of Famer through and through right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Fascinating stuff. I got to tell you. That conversation about the X's and O's and the, schem- the schematics and what can be played off it and the and the gamesmanship. You like it a little bit more, don't I'm you? I'm beginning to turn on the brotherly <laughs> shove. I'm beginning to turn on it. I got I, I got to be honest with you. I'm learning more about it. I thought it was just get up there and yeah, shove, moving. and it's just create a scrum. There's more to it here. I kind of dig it now that I heard that. Joe Thomas. Made me a convert. You know, nothing in football is just mindless, though. It, it, oh, yeah, I, sometimes it is. <laughs> For the most Deontay part, Deontay Johnson not, saying shush and blowing, well, blow, blowing an, uh, an advantage okay, of a first well, down. I mean, there's some mindless stuff. That's a little different. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Let's talk about the Texas Rangers winning the American League pennant. That's next. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O, O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the, uh, oh, by the way, YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for all of that good stuff. Back on the Rich Eisen Show radio network, sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Congratulations to Texas Rangers fans. What a run for them. Adolis Garcia is going to obliterate, unless he falls off the World Series map, He's going to obliterate the record for most runs batted in in a single yeah. postseason. He has been a dynamo closing out the Astros for the Rangers with not one, not two, but three straight games with a home run and three runs batted in. Nobody's ever done that in a single postseason. And he did it, as we all know, the first of the three-game run in a game five that the Astros came back and won in large part to with him, I think icing his own closer because it, you know, he got hit by Abreu and created it such a conundrum. Yeah, he runs hot. I, 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 he ran hot. Yeah, I mean that. Happens. I guess. And and if you're Bruce Bochy, it's like keep running hot. We're, or whatever, yep. whatever it takes. And then he comes back in Game Six, has a golden sombrero and homers anyway. Grand slam with a grand slam <laughs> to yeah. keep this thing going. And then last night, this thing was a wrap pretty much from jump as Corey Seager jacked one 440 feet out. Scherzer, you know, gave it a go. I, I Clearly, that's not the Scherzer that we've we've seen before. Um, but the Rangers are in, and they eliminate the Astros. And, um, you know, is that the end of Dusty Baker's career, manager, managing career? It looks like it. Um, and Altuve and Bregman are on their final years of their contract next year. Alex, you know, you know why you wear number two and where, you know, oh, your you heart want, lies. Oh, you oh, want yeah. him. Oh, oh get out of here. Of course, I want him in pinstripes. You guys got enough money? I mean, oh, yeah, there's enough. It's star insurance. I, I, I star insurance patches. Well, put more patches. You know I mean? so, more patches. Yeah, more sure. patches for, for, okay. for Bregman. Patches. Right. Patches for Bregman. Hashtag it. <laughs> Start that up. But son. in all seriousness, how Bruce Bochy, just put him in Cooperstown. 
Yeah. Hammond. I think he was in there anyway I already. So. I think so. Three, First manager three, in the yeah. history of Major League Baseball to win three LCSs for three different teams. He did it for the and, – and by the way, not like uh, – I mean, the San Francisco Giants being one – I mean, the Giants are not like any downtrodden organization. How do, how do the Padres and Rangers try those on for size, right? And then this is a fascinating stat I saw last night on the old X machine, thanks to Elias Sports. Bochy was 43 when he won the NLCS with San Diego in 1998. He's now 68. The only other manager to reach a World Series at age 43 or younger and then age 68 or older is Connie Mack. <laughs> Wow. Right? And maybe Jeez. his greatest achievement is th- turning Aroldis Chapman into a strike thrower. Although, what, McCormick last night would beg to differ taking one off his leg in the eighth inning of that one. But um, Chapman's still throwing a hundred. He is, man. I know. He's still throwing gas. Sweet Cooper, He's because he's, he knows how I feel about him. He turns to me if when he dots the corner at 101, he turns to me and goes, Dad, 101 for a strike. Does that make you upset? <laughs> But he's not doing that to troll me, just being sweet about it. Are you upset? I'm like, yeah, I'm not happy about it. But congratulations to them. (laughs) Congratulations. The Texas Rangers waiting for either the Phillies or the Diamondbacks tonight. The Diamondbacks cannot be taken out. Let's see if the Phillies can finally do it this evening. In Philadelphia, a game seven. These two series, I thought there would be sweeps. Both going to seventh game after they won game six last night. That was a rocking chair game for Arizona before Monday night football. I got to say, little interest in some of these series. They're they're teams you don't watch throughout the whole season. You know, maybe you have a guy or two in the fantasy. But these games have been. They've been great. Unbelievable. They've been fun. Such fun watches. If you are a baseball fan, they have been fun watches. They've been intense. I've enjoyed, by the way. Um, you know, on TBS, I really enjoy Brian Anderson, yeah, and Frank Cor, and, and 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 and, and Ron Darling. I'm I'm looking forward to the call tonight. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba of the Seattle Seahawks will be joining us. I've got a top five list of the top five NFL players I'd go all in for at the trade deadline. That's coming up in hour number three. And your phone calls at eight four four two zero four. Rich number to dial. Also, that sound you hear from television executives, oh, no, wait, that's, that's some ESPN executives looking at McAfee going, please don't. Please don't hurt us. That's number one. Number two, the real, the real noise you're hearing on Pico Boulevard where Mike gets his paychecks. Those, those are the ones down on their hands and knees looking at the baseball gods and saying, please, Philadelphia. Yeah. Please, Philly. No offense to the Arizona fans. Please, Philly. No, no offense to the Arizona want. fans. Please, Phillies. Please, Phillies. Like on the on the they Shanks Hope chest. What do we got? Shanks. They really? They you know they're praying the to their Murdoch sun gods. Please. Blackley please. Please, please, get, please have Schwarber show up God. like the That's human name. the human fire hydrant. Let him crank one out. Blacklin and James. You know, let's get all the everyone with long hair. Let's get them going. They want the Phillies bad. Castiano's son. Let's get all of them. Get them down on their hands and knees, <laughs> praying. <laughs> 
that the Philly, you know, that the Phillies make it. Like, Mark, so, I want so you to have my cheese truck. Okay. They want like, cheese steaks, cheese fries, everything. Mark, God, if you tell me I'm wrong. Help. No. I mean, and I know Diamondback fans will be like, you know what? That's rude. Get out of here. I, they, you, I hey, know, listen, you just, are a great team. That they, guy, Marte. They're awesome. By the way, record for a, uh, a hitting streak to start your playoff career. 15 games. Crazy. But, but they got a hope chest, man, oh, and man. it's out. <laughs>